And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Starting has begun. <laughs> We've begun to start. You've commenced the starting. <laughs> All right, now that we've begun to begin, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. And uh, at Imitating Art, we like to watch movies and uh, dissect them for any lessons we might be able to pull from them and hopefully apply to our own lives. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing uh, pretty well. Good. I mean, it's still a pandemic, and so I still have not done anything. But is that still going on? I think so. I don't know. I haven't gone outside. I thought they canceled it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, well, that gives you more time to stay in and watch movies to dissect. You would think. Or watch more <laughs> of one TV show. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Me too. But I haven't really been watching, rewatching anything lately uh since i got back but i have been watching snowpiercer and catching up on that as it comes and uh it's it's really really good i'd recommend this this series to anybody and uh sean bean's addition to the cast this year has been very welcomed hmm. do you think he's gonna die doesn't he always that's what i'm saying no i really don't know if he's gonna die or not but <laughs> i mean it does it, it leads me to believe when sean bean is added to a cast that he will die the same season. Yeah. One does not simply cast Sean Bean in a role that doesn't die. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it's not really a spoiler to expect him to die at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, although, yeah, I'll let you know. Although, if you're out there and you're watching in the middle of watching something with a Sean Bean in it, in it and he does die, sorry for the spoiler. Yeah. Uh, and, but if you haven't seen Goldeneye yet, I mean, <laughs> that's on you. What if I told you I hadn't seen GoldenEye yet? Uh, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have wanted to see it that badly. Um, well, uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of enjoying the uh, quick intros lately. So if you want to just uh, take a little break and get right into the movie. By the way, we're talking about I Love You, Man. When we come back from this break, that we're going to take right now. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back. All right. So we're back. Hey. That was fast. Ooh, I heard that. All right. Do it again. And we're back. <laughs> it was a fast little break. Uh, Back again. So today we're talking about "I Love You, Man," which I, I want to say came out in like 2011. I want to say 2008, man. I, I, I was totally guessing. I really don't know. Um, but it's a movie I've watched countless times and uh, enjoyed watching again. It's been a few years since I've seen it. It's been a few years since I've seen it too. I've seen it a countable amount of times. I just don't remember how many, and mm -hmm. it's probably not as many as you. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's been, 
Come on, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were saying? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm sure I've seen it far fewer times than you, and it, it's been probably close to 10 years since I've seen it. Uh, 2009, by the way. Okay. Yeah, we're in, in the right region. Yeah, I was closest without going over. So, mm. you know, price is right rules. <laughs> sure, it does. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I... I I really kind of wanted to revisit it just to see how I'd feel about it year, you know, years later. Um, and it still made me laugh a lot. Me too. It's funny. This dumb comedy, just because I enjoy it so much, ended up, this is like the most notes I've ever written. <laughs> it's so funny because I was like, I was just switching between my notes from last week to my notes for this week. And it's like worlds different where I have like a, I have a small handful of things for this week and it's like a page and a half for last week. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, I have like almost three pages for this week, just because wow. of how many times I just noted things that I like. Is it or, all or, or think are funny? Is it all as poetic as last week's? No, it's nothing <laughs> is at all as poetic as last week's. Uh, and I, I, this this reminded me uh, during the movie where he's doing the the James Bond impression in the tux. It just reminded me of having Paul Rudd on my iPhone background. For years. For years. I, I um, associate that image of Paul Rudd <laughs> with you so strongly. Uh, it's been a while since I've thought about it, and it cracked me up <laughs> when I saw it. And I was like, oh, yeah. That was like the, as soon as I got my first iPhone, the first thing I did was download that image and put it as my background for some reason, just because I was in love with this movie at the time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because one of my notes is about how so many lines from this movie were just in our vernacular for so long. Yep. Still, uh, like I, yeah, in uh, mine. <laughs> a, a lot of the quotes I we still use with each other often. Yeah, not as many of them as we used to, but quite a few of them have have remained part of the way we talk to each other. Um, totally. But for those of you who haven't seen "I Love You, Man," what are you doing? Yeah, get out there, watch it. It's a funny movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about uh, it, it, Paul Rudd and is. Uh, blah, take that again. <laughs> Paul Rudd uh, plays Peter Clavin, yep. who's uh, a real estate agent who just got uh, engaged, just as his girlfriend, played by Rashida Jones, uh, to marry him. And he quickly realizes he has no male friends, like no close male friends, the way that she has, you know, her her group of close friends and so he also has no one to be his best man and he just realizes you know his fiance kind of wants him to have friends because he doesn't other than her and his his work he doesn't really have much so he decides to go out and find a, a male best friend and it basically plays out using the tropes of a romantic comedy movie but between two male best friends instead of a romantic relationship. He eventually meets uh, Sidney Fife, played by Jason Siegel, and they, you know, it, a, a friendship blossoms. They find out they have some stuff in common. They start spending a lot of time with each other. He starts, like, getting giddy about having someone to do these things with. And, uh, you know, Sidney kind of helps him improve his life in a lot of ways. Uh, 
it, it, honestly, most of the movie is just those two in scenes together saying funny things and doing funny things uh, with some plot around it. Uh, there's not much more to it than that, really, mm -hmm. until towards the end when you get into, again, those romantic comedy tropes where they kind of break up and his actual relationship with Zoe is in jeopardy. And, you know, those things that you expect from a movie like this uh, just all couched around, let's have these two funny guys start a bromance together. Yeah, and this was like peak bromance movie time, and like it did the... It, it took, but it still is the best one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, like, the 2000s was perfect. Like, it was so full of those, like, two-star uh, romantic comedies, mm -hmm. uh, most of which are kind of forgettable. But, yep. you know, you ended up with things like, you know, Wedding Crashers and things like that. Oh, yeah. At, at the beginning of the decade. And so this was, you know, 2009, closing out the decade with... One of, if not the best, uh, bro bromantic comedies out there. Yeah. Um, and so, this movie did feel very 2000s to me as I was watching it. Just yeah. Like the tone and the soundtrack and the type, like the style of comedy. It isn't like they don't really make movies that feel like this very often anymore. Mm -hmm. at, at least not well. Everything now seems very over the top in a certain, like at least right now around like the the late teens it has it, everything felt like it has to be like next level like uh game night and mm -hmm. tag and stuff like that like even though i love those movies like everything is like everything has to be leveled up like it doesn't kind of just follow uh, uh it's not all about the characters in those movies um and i can't think of one offhand that's been a good comedy recently that has been like a good comedy duo like this yeah i i, I would have to seriously think about it i'm sure there is one uh, just nothing immediately comes to mind. So I also uh, forgot that uh, Jake and Boyle were both in, in this movie. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I, I, I forgot Andy Samberg was in it, I forgot both of them were in it. But um, it, it's just funny because for a while after Brooklyn Nine Nine started, I thought of Boyle as his voice, his voice got high. And also the weird guy from Superbad. But those mm -hmm. were like the the only two things I remembered him being from was him just being the weird guy to the side in these early 2000s comedies. And now when you go back, he's Boyle. He's Boyle. <laughs> yeah. When he shows up, my note says Boyle in all caps. <laughs> yes. I always but, remember him in this, but it's just really I, funny. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because like the first... 30 minutes of this movie every, like every couple of minutes is just another amazing comedic actor doing a cameo and like it's crazy the the amount of people that like <laughs> like you got Andy Samberg obviously as Robbie his brother J.K. Simmons as his dad Rowling, of course yeah uh Jane Curtin plays his mom from SNL and uh, I, I don't know her third rock from the sun um Rob Hubel, who the guy who plays Tevin, like yep. he's he's all over the place, and he's always great in everything he does. Aziz Ansari, Nick Kroll, were, were oh yeah, there. Um, I always forget Aziz is in there, even though like I like I love quoting that like uh, locker room scene. 
Uh, like, I, I just love, like, the way that they are with each other. Fuck you, Larry. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite lines he's ever delivered. Yeah, I, I feel like I remember you saying that quite a bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just a good delivery. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, John Favreau is there. Uh, mm. Thomas Lennon plays the guy who kisses him. Uh, the Taste of Betrayal. <laughs> it wasn't The Taste of Betrayal. Um, <laughs> it was The Taste of Betrayal. Uh, Jay Chandrasekhar is one of the poker buddies. Right. Um, and the other poker buddies are like, uh, the, the one guy from go on. I don't know if you remember, uh, the white guy, the tall white guy. Oh uh, yeah. He's also from new girl. Is he? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the guy with glasses, right? He is didn't have glasses about? in this. No. Oh, okay. So it's, I'm, I'm thinking of one of Sydney's friends, the tall guy with the, with the square oh. glasses that Jess dated later. Oh no, I, I was thinking of um, the one of the poker buddies at John Favreau's house. Oh, okay. Um, where also I had to look up the name of Jerry Miner, but he's. Uh, I he's recognize one, the name. He's one of the cops in Arrested Development. Okay. Uh, one of the cops. Why are all that, these uh, cops so? Hot. No, no, not one of the hot no, cops. I know. One of I the know. actual I cops that, <laughs> that are. A, a, um, but that's the first thing I thought adopting of when you said the that. child together. Yeah, um, and then oh, yeah, wait, right. Sydney's friends uh, include David Krumholtz, who was yeah uh, Bernard, Mr. Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, <laughs> yeah, which we still quote it's like just, these like the dumbest things that mean yeah. nothing. I quote from this movie all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no situational relationship to it. I'll just say again with the wonder emporium. <laughs> yeah. Which I realized watching it is actually a misquote. I forget. Yes, exactly I know. What he says, I'm still going to stick with the one that I say though. Me too. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have to run down all of the names of, of those cameos. No, it's, but I it's, wanted it's to worthwhile. There's so many great actors the, in this. Like, yeah. And so many just familiar faces. It was who weren't as familiar to me the first time I saw it. So it was just very fun to, uh, See them all. Yeah. Oh, and, and Hank Mardukas. And Hank Mardukas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was six just... minutes in. Like, yeah. it, it seemed <laughs> it weird to me that, that that happened so early on in the movie. And then there was there, there was no speaking of it until the end. Until the like, very until end. Until the, the wedding scene when it was a great callback to it. Yeah. Um, oh. Well, I guess we should actually talk about the movie. Um, sure. <laughs> there's... This is another one of those movies where they just they give you a lot of information within right away the first like two scenes yeah you find out that he's a real estate agent that he's mm-hmm. working on a deal with the the Ferrigno estate uh how long he and Zoe have been together he proposes she has a close group of friends i like that uh, they do it like, like do it that just, way because it's like we need we need them to be engaged in the film but it but the engagement happening doesn't matter like you know it, and that's a good way to get exposition right in the beginning yeah you don't need the build up to it because that's not what it's about um it's just there's so much happening in, in those first few minutes that it's really funny and until i started paying attention like i wouldn't have thought of it as them just giving us a ton of information right away yeah. uh so it's good uh storytelling economy yeah. So they, yeah, they, after they get engaged and they go back to the house and she's like, don't, don't you want to call anybody? And he's like, oh, I'll talk to my parents tomorrow. They're probably asleep already. Yeah. But then she's like, what about that guy that you, uh, that you fence with? And he's like, Gil, 
Gilliam. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> no. not really a call right away friend. <laughs> <laughs> but Gilliam is one of the things that I still say a lot, again, for no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I've heard you say that before. I haven't noted it. Anywhere. It's just one of the things that it's just like, I love the way Paul Rudd says it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they, yeah you, you, you do get it all out of the way right away and you have everything set up. And I, I, I also like his his delivery when he hears he overhears the girls talking about like his mom being his best friend and he just goes back in the kitchen and is like i gotta get some fucking friends yeah <laughs> that was great also when uh when they find out he's there and uh he walks in with the root beer floats and they're like are these chocolate straws he's like yeah pirouettes <laughs> pepperidge Pepper farm, farm. <laughs> and just that <laughs> That's the kind of thing where I mean, like, that's the kind of comedy they don't really do anymore. Where they just yeah, kind of that's definitely like the throw Paul in Rudd, those afterthought things. That's yeah. the Paul Rudd throwaway line that I want to imagine he threw in himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I love I love that, and I like I love that they set him up as like such a thoughtful, like caring boyfriend, and then they take him to dinner, and then the, his family just kind of gives him shit about it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that was uh one thing that i felt like didn't quite age very well in, in this movie is the the way he gets so much antagonism for like his his uh less traditionally masculine qualities mm-hmm. and he, but he doesn't really stand up for himself about it he just kind of accepts that that's something worth making fun of it didn't stick it didn't cut, stick out to me that that didn't it, that it didn't age well or that it seemed odd. Now I guess because it still feels like potential reality, so yeah, it it doesn't um, like surprise me that somebody might feel like bad about sticking up for themselves, and your parents might say stupid shit that you wouldn't want to say, you know, but you probably wouldn't say anything to them just because you're like, well, it's my parents. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, but also, just the idea, like they show how he's much closer to his, his female uh, co-workers than his male mm-hmm. co-workers, but they never really float the idea of letting a female that he's close with be his best friend either. That's true. Uh, okay. I but, guess uh, the general idea of like having to have a male yeah, best man. Um, yeah. Like it is it, 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 an extraordinarily male centric movie. Um, yeah. I mean, not that he needs a female best friend either. Like mm-hmm. it's, well, it was just a thought that occurred to me when I was sure. watching it. Um, uh, J.K. Simmons uh, acting in the dinner scene though is just wonderful. Like he's <laughs> he's just he's As just such always. like a and it wasn't like an over the top performance this time. I like that his he was just kind of like he's just kind of relaxed dad performance mm-hmm. and he's what you you had a speedo full of Brillo. What <laughs> nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah. Who invited the comedian? <laughs> yeah, and Paul Rudd is doing a really good job of being exasperated by his dad in that scene. <laughs> yeah. And Robbie. <laughs> yeah. And, and Hank Mardukas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I like, I, I really just like, I enjoy the premise, you know, however silly or unnecessary it is. And when he's like starting to look at every guy he passes on the road as like, Oh, look, these, these two guys are running together. These guys are riding in a car together. Mm-hmm. And then like, he's like, finally, you find out he's not really like hanging out with all of his guys, the guys that he fences with, even though he sees them every week. Like he doesn't even know the one guy is engaged to be married. Yeah. And 
Yeah, and then like he's just like awkwardly talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, we realize we didn't invite you because you don't talk to us really outside of fencing." So yeah, well, yeah. they they didn't even seem like they really felt awkward or bad about it at all. Like no, no, but you, it was you, an awkward scene because like they were like, yeah. "Well, we don't know how to say goodbye." Yeah, like it's it's awkward for him, but they obviously didn't care because you know he doesn't really factor into their lives right. outside of fencing. Like why why would they invite him? Which is the point. Uh, yeah. He doesn't really. He, I brought up the idea of the, the female friends either, but it's not like he hangs out with them outside of work either. Right. He's, he's just not close with anyone outside of his fiance and his right. family. Yeah. And uh, the Joshua Tree joke <laughs> was always, is always yeah. great too. <laughs> Listen to a YouTube record to, uh, while you're out yeah. there. Right. Because oh. Joshua Tree. That's right. <laughs> he's so i like that he's so happy to just agree with it not to like <laughs> realize that he made a bad joke <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um although him making bad jokes is kind of a running joke absolutely in, in the movie anyway but he starts to realize it when he's with sydney <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he gets more flustered by the way i i miss andy sandberg's like wild hair yeah from from the early 2000s but before he cut it down yeah uh, it's it's very like 2006 it's very like scene appropriate hair but mm-hmm. i don't know there's just so, so much character to it i like it yeah I, I think he actually looks better with short hair but definitely the hair itself i like very much um so so the the poker scene yes such a good scene <laughs> <laughs> when, when he's trying to make male friends so he hangs out with the husband of one of zoe's friends yeah, and he really doesn't want oh, him to a, be there. Another good cameo. Oh, what's her? What's that actress's name? She was in uh, My Name is Earl. Uh, she plays John Trevor's wife in this. She was oh. Jason Lee's ex-wife, the one that married Daryl in My Name is Earl. Oh, I can't remember her name. I only anyway, vaguely remember that show. Um, but like uh, her first name is Jamie. Yeah, anyway, she's, she's she's her and John Trevor together make like the typical movie married couple where it's bickering and, and sex. Yeah. And like, as much as I, as you hate John Favreau, like I love his character in this cause he's such a dick. Yeah. What? Who hates John Favreau? No, I mean, I'm like sorry. You're, I don't, you're not, not hate, hate his character? I'm saying as much as you hate the character, I don't mean yeah, him. Okay. I don't, as much as you hate him in this movie, I love him in this movie because he's such he's just such a dick oh yeah in that scene uh later when peter is trying to explain to him about what the billboards and oh. and john favreau just says yeah i don't give a shit no but away. i like that he he like he actually like engaged him for a second he's like nice face yeah you know, yeah on the billboards and he's like oh thanks my buddy my buddy sid did it for me yeah i don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> he was like I, I gave you as much as i can give you yeah. um, um but speaking of dicks, oh, you wanted to talk about the uh, the poker scene. So commence, <laughs> yeah. begin. No, I just I I, I love how timid uh, timid uh, Paul Rudd's character is. Except that, like, he, but he's happy to be there. He just mm-hmm. doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to play poker. But yeah. he's like, he's all in just to give it a try. And then he ends up winning the hand accidentally. Yeah, and the flush. One one of the lines that I most closely associate with you specifically is when he accidentally wins that poker hand and John Favreau gets pissed at him. You know, why, why would you stay in with a do seven suited and then on, on a rainbow flop? Oh, I, I didn't know it was a rainbow. Sorry. I, I didn't know it was a rainbow. 
You've, you've said that line so many times. <laughs> Once again, just, <laughs> I don't know why, but again, I, love, I just it, love it. The delivery. Generally <laughs> apropos of nothing. Yeah. I just, didn't know it was a rainbow. I didn't know it was a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so, so, so good. And then, then they start playing drinking games and he projectile vomits. But I like, yeah. even though like that, that scene is like just ridiculous, thing. ridiculous thing. Yeah. Projectile vomiting. It's the thing. I projectile vomited. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's something something I think about quite frequently. Also, pretty much if I ever vomit, I'm just like it's a thing. A projectile vomited. <laughs> um, but but speaking of uh, dicks, uh, Rob Hubel's character, Tevin, um, Tevin Downey is such a great name for uh, like an egotistical office douchebag, uh, and Rob Hubel plays him. Perfectly. Like he has the personality down pat of just all of the, like the high energy, but making everything about myself, like giving you advice that I know works for me, but not taking your own personality and style into it. Just like, just, he, he, he's essentially just consistently giving him the advice to just be a douchebag and mm-hmm. you will succeed, which is probably true in real estate, but it's clearly not Kevin's Kevin. Uh, it's clearly not P- Peter's bag, oh. but uh, just, I mean, one of the lines I've said most often from this movie is later on when he's, you know, urinal kicks. Do you use them? <laughs> when I pee. And when he's talking about how he throws his face on urinal kicks, he's advertising, he's like, oh, this guy sees me on the street. He's like, hey, don't I, uh, don't don't I, know, I know you, you from somewhere? I'm like, yeah, you do. You pissed on my face, friend. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's, I, know that, I feel like that's one of the ones that, from this movie that I associate with you more than anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it helps uh, Tevin, that there, there's a, a urinal cake company named Don. Don, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's come up quite a bit. Te- the name Tevin Downey, when you said how good of a dick name that is, uh, reminded me of Cal Naughton Jr., sure. which is still <laughs> probably my favorite character name ever that fits with the character. <laughs> Cal yeah. Naughton Jr., a NASCAR racer. If I don't know how that's not a real person. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just, uh, I, there's just so many things, and I'm sure everybody realizes by now that we're just going to be quoting the movie all the way through this, but uh, oh, yeah. there's just everything. Once he starts to meet, once he finally meets Sydney in the open house, like everything starts to change for him, and he's... <laughs> The, the scene where Sydney does the play-by-play of the guy farting yeah. with the with the girl he's with. He, he does seem to be clenching. <laughs> and he's like, watch the leg, watch the leg, that's a fart. <laughs> I know my farts. Yeah, and then the, when when the, the guy is like, uh, you know what, uh, it's a, uh, I'm not, I'm going to pass on this one, it's a little small. And, yeah, uh, it smells like farts. Yeah, Sydney says that. <laughs> 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 the guy gets such, such a worried look on his face and tries to hurry the girl out of there. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it was yeah. such a great introduction to that character. Yeah, I think like Jason Siegel is just so uh, immediately charming as Sydney because he's so like it's not that he doesn't care or anything; he's just so laid back. Yeah, that he he isn't worried about anything. Which he's is, honest. Like, he, yeah, he's pretty honest. I mean, he you find out that he has some personal troubles uh, of his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, per- generally personality wise but he's got enough opinions about life that are kind of immediately obvious when he says them mm-hmm. but ge- 
kind of generally go unsaid or unheeded uh, that it's hard not to like him. Although you kind of find out later that he's also kind of making excuses for the way he chooses to live his life and Mm -hmm. kind of to be lazy uh, when it comes to doing things in life. But that doesn't mean the things he says aren't necessarily true or charming. And he just likes to have fun. Yeah. And he, uh, when he, when he leaves the open house and jumps over the thing to walk by the couple and goes, "Eh, hello, is that (laughs) another one that I like to do? Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another, there's just so many good deliveries in this film that just stick in my head forever. Yeah. Uh, Jason Siegel, uh, based his performance, uh, of Sydney on Russell Brand. Okay. Because they had just recently done, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall together. Okay. And so, uh, that, that was just who he thought of when he thought of like really like charming and funny people that he had met and who can just like immediately win people over Hmm. who are also, I mean, obviously like Russell Brand also obviously has like a kind of easygoing personality and, so I think of that when Sydney does things like end sentences with yeah, which is kind right. of a, a British thing. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know for sure if this is exactly how uh, Russell Brand is, but it's probably something similar. It's, it's an interesting to think about um, when, when you watch. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to watch it again at some point and keep that in mind because I feel like I won't be able to forget it now. Uh, so the, the fun stumbling over his words, uh, Paul Rudd starts shortly after this when he's making phone call, like he makes his first phone call to Sydney to be like, uh, Hey, Hey man, I, it's, it's Sydney. Oh wait, that's not right. It's, (laughs) and then he gets his own name wrong. And then he's just like super flustered on the phone, like very, very much like a teenager calling a girl for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's Again, just great, great watching him stumble over his tropes. words. Yep, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, uh, I wrote I wrote that uh, it does capture the awkwardness of white men trying to connect with other white men. Yeah. Um, feels very real because th- uh, there's just something about uh, society kind of in- inadvertently teaching men especially white men that by the time you hit a certain age these are just the people in your life and you know you don't really pursue other men in any other way uh so it there's no uh like popular education on how to make friends as an adult as a result um and so it's just it's awkward i I remember even feeling like a little awkward like that when you and I started being friends (laughs) and we were very young at at that point, but we were still adults. Yeah. Um, I don't remember any awkwardness so much. It was probably on my end. (laughs) Um, Uh, By the way, I I also noted that I'd be a little freaked out by the phone message that Peter left Sydney. It it was a little tense. it's a little tense, like and intense, and yeah. uh, this is just some a stranger, and you don't know why he's calling, and the phone call doesn't really make sense. Yeah, uh, uh, I think uh, 
I think Sydney's good enough at reading people that he probably picked up on some of the stuff and just realizes that he's a little nervous and probably gave him the benefit of the doubt there. But I'm also vaguely remembering having a an outgoing voicemail message where I said, I'll call you back when I get a mo. <laughs> when, I, when I get a moment. <laughs> uh, voicemail okay. messages. Remember those? Yes. I mean... I've had the same one for years and just haven't changed it because I didn't need to. But I don't actually know what mine is. I don't remember what mine is either. I, I remember in college uh, leaving, like, I had just, like, the longest voicemail message just because I thought it'd be fun. And I don't even remember what I said. I just remember I I was going home from college, like, to, to the apartment we had. And I started recording it, like, as I walked into the lobby. And continued it as I went up the elevator eight floors and finished it after I walked into the apartment. And I, I, I can't remember at all what I said. I just remembered like, I just want to keep talking on my voicemail message and then did it. And then people had to listen to that when, not that I got a lot of calls, but. So this reminds me that Jimmy's voicemail. Do you have, do you remember Jimmy's voicemail? No. It was Hello. I'm not here, uh, so, and every damn time I called him, every single time I called him, I would start to talk, because he answered the phone that way when he actually answered the phone, too. Right. And I was like, God damn it, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, continuing with the, after once they actually start to hang out, and they go out for drinks, this is after... He's already had his his date with uh, Thomas Lennon, yeah, <laughs> by accident because his mom set him up with a guy. Yeah, um, I'm sure she didn't even know that uh, his character was gay, but yeah, uh, yeah. it was. But it, it was a it was a really funny scene because because they, they connected well. Like they were talking about yeah. SNL and the church lady, and yeah, it was like a genuine like what friendship looks like, especially yeah. a burgeoning friendship when you're discovering things that you have in common. They even made a comment about the waitress being hot. Mm. Oh, I didn't um, catch that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, he's really getting thrown off the scent here. So mm -hmm. when he when he goes in for the kiss at the end, and, <laughs> and then and then uh, later, uh, uh, Zoe asks if he's been kissing someone. He's like, <laughs> no. Well, yes. <laughs> I, went on a I went out with this guy. And she was like, wait, what? This <laughs> is like when she's finally introduced to the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he finally admits to her that he overheard them talking about how he doesn't have any friends. And so she kind of gets in on it and tries to allay his fears. But then, oh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so he's a little wary when he finally goes out with Sydney. Mm -hmm. And he he's very quickly like lulled into like you know security because Sydney's so easy to talk to and he lets he makes him open up about everything, which yeah. like was really cool to like watch that friendship start to happen where he is able to like say things he hasn't said to anybody else, which is like you know it happens really quickly for the movie itself. But it, you know if you meet people that you connect with, you can really kind of open up to them that quickly. Um, so hearing him like talk about his sex life with Zoe. To somebody that he's like, I can't, you're a stranger. I can't believe I'm even saying this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it, you can tell it's like, a, it's a big thing for him. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Sydney charms me as, as well. Like definitely like Jason Siegel has those like big, warm, like puppy dog eyes that, you know, when like he's just, and just like this charming smile that you just feel at ease when he looks happy. So it's like it's very easy to believe that 
if you felt a connection with them that you would just start opening up. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, they, they really do. They just stay eating fish tacos and drinking beer for a long time. Those fish tacos are the tits. <laughs> I forgot that he said it like later when they talked about when they caught up again. Me too. Um, um but the but, scene outside. Well, he, first he gives, uh, Peter a nickname. Oh yeah. Pistol. pistol which is, uh, just a good friend thing to do. Yeah, and I, I only bring it up because uh, in the scene outside when they're leaving, uh, Peter scrambles to give Sydney a nickname and calls him Jobin. What did you call me? <laughs> Dude, called you Jobin. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean but, anything. <laughs> but I don't know if you remember, but in my phone for a very long time, you were listed as Don Jobin. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. And uh, in my phone, which I like to refer to as my iPhone. Yeah, I know. I, I, again, <laughs> I closely part. associate that with you. <laughs> when this came up as well in this scene when he's like, I got it right here in my iPhone. And he's like, it's just him saying it in a drunk way. Mm-hmm. But I think, actually, but that actually contributes directly to why Paul Rudd was in my back, was my background on my phone for so long. Because when I went to buy my first smartphone, I was like, I'm going to get an iPhone. <laughs> and I just kept saying it. So the first thing I thought of is to have Paul Rudd as J- James Bond, James, <laughs> James Bond. Bond. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the, the part where he says this and then he walks away drunk and he's like, I don't know the number for a taxi. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just so many things, one <laughs> after the other, that crack me up. Yeah. Man, a lot of my notes are just lines from the movie that I wrote down because we say them so often. Latest uh, on the menje. Yep. <laughs> I got that one written, right above it. I have written, I will see you there, or I will see you on another time. That's really confusing. I don't know if you're coming now. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> that we, I, I got to say, probably like, every time we hang out, if we were talking, <laughs> we, say, <laughs> we say that line at some point. Yeah, not as often as we used to. I think it used to be every time. Yeah. But now it's it's still fairly often. <laughs> Yeah, and it and it still makes me laugh every time. It never gets old. Me neither. Um, but so they start hanging out a lot, and uh, just Zoe's very happy for Peter that he has someone to hang out with and share things with. Like there's that very cool short scene where they are planning their wedding, and he gets a, a phone call that says it's from Sydney and he sets it aside. She's like, no, answer it. And he answers it. And he just talking to Sydney. He's like, wait, what? No, what happened? And like gets <laughs> up and walks away and she just kind of smiles to herself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a very fun. It, it's fun to watch like their friendship blossom into what immediately feels like a very like real friendship. Yeah, um, they bond over Rush. They bond over Rush, which is, I mean, that's basically how you and I became friends, is we bonded over Newfound Glory, Dimitri right. Martin, and Arrested Development. <laughs> um, but And they go they go on a lot of walks. Yeah, that's true. They that's walk like, on the Santa Monica boardwalk a lot, or yeah, no, like, Venice. It's like half of what they do. And you get, um, like, the first indication that Sydney doesn't care about certain things or or other people is when he doesn't clean up his dog's poop. 
Yeah. And a, a jogger, I, I can't tell if he actually steps in it or just has to like dance around it to avoid it. But either way, mm-hmm. it's a, a dick thing and the, the jogger gets mad. But that jogger, I noticed, was not sweating at all. Which yeah, that's unusual for Southern me. California. Yeah, and he was... <laughs> He wasn't a very thin person. Like, he wasn't maybe fat, he, Maybe he just started his run. Maybe. It's very possible. But uh, but Sydney does that thing where he just scares the dude off. Like, he just immediately gets in his face and, like, doesn't yell at him, but just, like, starts making crazy sounds Yeah, just to get the guy to back off. And it, it works. But, you know, it it's doing kind of two things where you get to see that like yeah sydney sometimes doesn't care about other people the way he cares about being lazy sometimes yeah but it's also like uh yeah he doesn't really give a, a good reason yeah for why he doesn't clean up his dog shit well yeah well he gives a bullshit reason which is even better because that's a little more character revealing because he talks about how it's like good compost or whatever uh, and how it's like it's got stuff that's good for the environment, but it's on a it's on the fucking, boardwalk. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's not the environment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but then he like he he starts talking about testosterone and like how he's a man. Like this is like how he exhibits that he's a man. You got to just scream sometimes, and takes mm-hmm. and takes Peter under the boardwalk to just scream at the top of his lungs, which is like kind of silly, but kind of you know, nice for them in a way where like it gets Peter to just kind of like let go a little bit instead of being like so tense and so reserved. But then like when they're both screaming under the boardwalk and like the fishermen are like looking over the edge to be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, no, that that was a a good scene partially because Paul Rudd's just a a good actor and you kind of see the relief wash over him as he's letting things go, which is mm-hmm. really what he needs to do uh, yeah. as a character. Um, like he needed an outlet and uh, Sydney kind of helps him find those outlets. Yeah. He was very high strong. <laughs> also, but also his, his relationship with Sydney also helps kind of, enrich his relationship with Zoe a little bit because she starts finding out things about him that she didn't know because yeah, it, he plays it, music. Yeah. Like it now comes up in conversation that he did something that he wouldn't have been doing before. Like, yeah. like slept at a bass, mm-hmm. which was after this movie came out, that was like the hugely quoted scene for several years. Uh, slept at a bass mob. Yeah, of course. Everybody was saying that. <laughs> yeah. That, Why does that it sound w- like a leprechaun? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounded like Borat. Um, but yeah, so it, it's like, uh, and this is kind of one of the, the lessons also, but just the way like his positive relationship with Sydney helps other aspects of his life where Sydney doesn't actually factor in. Uh, so, like his work, yeah. Yeah, like it was, although Sydney directly involves himself in sure. in Peter's work, <laughs> that's but, true. But uh, but yeah, um, but but he is growing confidence eventually. Yes, he does uh, grow confidence eventually over the time, even though he has to like be kind of uh, hoodwinked into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and of course, Chocolat 
Mm-hmm. Chocolate. With Johnny Depp. Yeah. Sh- it's In French, it's chocolat. Yeah, but you're not French. It's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, <laughs> chocolat. I, not that we talk about it often, but <laughs> it does come up once in a while. Yeah. Uh, well, chocolat. I mean, it's just one of the quotes that for some reason just runs through my mind every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, the word chocolate, chocolate comes up often enough that I'm sure it just like triggers that. That's true. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's like a fun scene where he's ha- where he's talking about like the best day of his you know the best day of the last five years was when he just watched chocolat with uh, with Zoe and had a bottle of French wine and they made a summer salad together. Oh, yes, the, the combination of summer salad and chocolat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, eventually, uh, his the selfishness of Sydney kind of comes out a little bit where he's like trying to get. Uh, uh, Peter to go to the Rush concert, mm-hmm. even though he says no. And I mean, even though like something that Peter wanted to do, like that's like kind of a pivotal moment where it's supposed to be Sunday date night, watching HBO with Zoe. But Sydney's like, their Rush is playing a show. Like it's Rush. It's our favorite band. Mm-hmm. Like I know you have a date night, but you can watch TV anytime. <laughs> yeah, it's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but he. Uh, he like eventually says, well, okay, how about this? How about I bring Zoe? And then like, they have an awesome time at the concert. And then suddenly like that brings out the fact that he wanted to go. He, he invited Zoe almost as an afterthought. So he didn't like cancel on her for date night. Mm-hmm. And then he ignored her when they got there, which like brought up like a big turning point in the movie where she's like, you ignored me. Like you're just, you know, you're, uh, she's worried about what's going on with Sydney. Yeah. You were licking each other's bases. A lot of guys were licking each other's bases. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah so i mean that 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 that's like a a good like fight scene where that like really stuff really goes down where he's like kind of standing up for himself and being like i really wanted to do this but also kind of seeing what he did in like in her perspective and like he starts to, to really mess up there and then he blames his fuck ups on on sydney because sydney's the one who encouraged him to like follow his desires instead of like holding up to his what he sees as his responsibility to their relationship yeah and i mean subconsciously sydney kind of wants the relationship to fall through sure Uh, like i I don't think he's doing it consciously although i mean they address it later but they don't really say whether he was actively trying to break them up i don't think he was but he certainly wants peter for himself because he has no other friends yeah because all of his friends have families and lives and responsibilities that they need to take care of. They can't hang out every day. Yeah. There's a scene where Sydney's like sitting there by himself after he and Peter uh, are not talking that, yeah, after they break up, uh, where he's like calling all of his other friends. And like, that's where you hear him say again with the wonder, again with the wonder Emporium. (laughs) What is it about Legoland that you got to be taking these kids there every weekend? (laughs) (laughs) and like you just hear him like saying all these things like his side of the conversation and it's kind of good that they don't show the other side because like it it is very one-sided with him like it's like he wants it to be his way Mm -hmm. and it's like it's it's kind of it's sad to watch but it is like it's very telling about his personality yeah he's got a jerk-off station for crying out loud (laughs) (laughs) yes it's true and uh yeah i really like the idea though that um He's so selfish that he has a man cave at his house where he lives alone. 
I was actually going to say, uh, it's actually kind of interesting that now that I, I've never really thought about it, but we never see the inside of his house, do we? No. no. Just the man cave. Yeah, but like he's, which is where he lets Peter come in and he doesn't, it seems like he doesn't really let everyone in there, but yeah. it seems like he has built the, like the way he's decorated his house and his garage or whatever it is shed in, in such a way that like he's got people that he only lets into the house mm-hmm. and then he's got people that he lets into the man cave, but yeah. that like that's, that's a fairly that's a weirdly selfish like thing to do. Like it's not just his bedroom where he can go and not let people in. Yeah. Like it's actually very true. It's like, he's, he is like it really, the separated garage, like the separate garage from the house really is like, does represent the, sep- the separation between different parts of his life. Like even he says later, like, I know you didn't, you don't, you probably didn't believe it, but I actually am a pretty successful investor. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, he's actually doing all right for himself, but he does that in the house. Like he wants to show his like fun side all the time on the outside, but he's mm-hmm. actually doing stuff inside and he probably has it like set up nicely for if he brings a woman home, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was Peter's question in the first place. Like, is this, I forget how he referred to them. <laughs> he's like, what about if you bring women over here? <laughs> the cougars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, I don't like, bring women out here. Peter, this is the man cave. I got a jerk off station for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, I know I never, I mean, obviously I haven't watched this movie to examine it previously. I've just watched it to laugh a lot. So I haven't really thought about the actual separated garage and house, but it really makes a lot of sense yeah. <laughs> for his character. Um, yeah. So the breakup is the breakup's not that dramatic. Like they're very chill about it, even though Mm -hmm. it is like, you can tell it's a big deal, but it's like very like under the surface, like neither of them lets on how they're really feeling. Mm -hmm. Like it's just kind of like anger stomping away kind of thing, but like very quietly. Yeah. Like he, Peter asked for a season two lost DVDs back and, (laughs) and Sydney chucks it at him. Yeah. Sorry. It's just that, we haven't finished it yet, and Zoe really wants to find out what's in that hatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you haven't watched Lost, but, I haven't. <laughs> but that, that line always gets me. It's mm-hmm. just great. <laughs> but I knew there was a hatch. Yeah. Like, so I, I always kind of understood the joke. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then there begins, like, the renaissance of, of, uh, of Zoe and Peter. Because like he goes and apologizes to her. It happens very quickly. Yeah. Once again, uh, something that had to happen for the movie. So, uh, so Sydney could come back. Like really, that part's just happening to set up the next scene. Yeah. And yeah, it happens really quickly. Like they recover. She wants to get out of her sister's house because you know she has to deal with John Favreau's character constantly, yeah. and it's <laughs> so she's ready to go. And uh, and they have and yeah, crazy so, loud makeup sex. Yep. And they got plenty of room at the poker table. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, but before, you know, eventually Sydney shows up at the wedding, but before Sydney shows up, I never really thought about it before, but I think one of my favorite scenes might be when, you know, since he doesn't have a best man, Peter asks Robbie, Andy Sandberg, his, his brother to hold the ring for him. Mm-hmm. And, just Andy Samberg plays that moment so well where he's both like confused and moved and he's just like, really? And then he doesn't say anything else. He just thinks a minute and then 
hugs hugs his brother. Yeah, I think like, it was a very sweet moment. I think what was said in the uh, the Palm Springs podcast is is that Andy Samberg is actually a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like that scene also. And I and I we didn't I know we didn't really talk about the the billboards, but I do love the billboards <laughs> like license to sell. And every like the license to sell billboard is just great, yeah. and like when you find out what he used the pictures that he took for, yeah, because uh, awesome. and Sydney borrowed eight thousand dollars from right Peter and didn't tell him what it was for, and it ended up being this fairly embarrassing array of uh, billboards with yeah, Peter's which turned out to do a wonders for his career, yeah, which has been going kind of slowly, even though he's he's doing okay, but he couldn't sell the Ferrigno house, and then as soon as the billboards are up. He's got endless calls, like trying to buy the house and like list, get other listings. So the billboards really like kicked him up a notch and like allowed him to tell, smack Ke- uh, Tevin in the face <laughs> yeah. and tell him to stay uh, the fuck away from his listing. I like that. Like you want him to, to punch Tevin, but he slaps him in the face <laughs> and it's just hilarious. <laughs> I wanted to cause um, you physical violence and I've never hit anyone in the face before. It kind of freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but one of the billboards, I think my favorite billboard is the one of uh paul rudd under the sheets and it says i could saw anything in my sleep so hop on in (laughs) he gets the one phone call from the woman that's like i love the one of you in bed here's my number (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh hollywood's biggest uh real estate realtor or something like that and it's like the one of him in the speedo yeah Um, and i i feel like we should also say that we keep mentioning the frigno house that is uh, TV's Lou Ferrigno of the yes. Incredible Hulk fame, yep. uh, who puts Sydney in a sleeper hold at, at one point. Uh, yep, right out. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing Lou Ferrigno next to Charles Boyle is just kind of a hilarious scene <laughs> yeah. as well. It's funny because during that scene where Sydney is picking the fight with uh, Lou Ferrigno, I was thinking, like, there was a scene earlier where Sydney ran away from someone half Lou Ferrigno size. Yeah. And so just as I was typing out, out like, why would he pick this fight? Uh, Rashida Jones said, why the fuck would anyone get into a fight with Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. But I think the answer is Peter. Like, he's like, he's, almost, he's protective of Peter. Yes. And he's like, he feels like he's trying to do something good for him. Oh, he, you know Even what? though, like, like that's his like. He's he's Randall. He's Randall. He, yeah, Berserker Randall. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Randall Pearson for some reason. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> okay, he's a Berserker. Yeah, but he's also just very protective of this man who is his best friend. Yeah, he was there first. Yep. Well, not in <laughs> this first. case, but <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, they they are. As uh, Rashida Jones uh, refers to the bridal party or the uh, the groomsmen, has to be the most random group of groomsmen in the history of weddings. <laughs> when they show up with the old guy Mel that he met at the yeah. diner, <laughs> who used a picture from forty five years ago. Yeah, and uh, Frigno and Frigno Boyle and Tom Lennon. Thomas Lennon, yeah, and, uh, and his dad, his dad, and, and Robbie J.J. Abrams. I mean, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've added another one to the lexicon, <laughs> and uh, I didn't even do that one on purpose. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it, it is it is great to watch them like walking in slow motion for a second, yeah, and then just go into like regular awkward motion. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, then they're all up. But watching them like up on the on the altar together is even is even better somehow. <laughs> just like just watching them awkwardly. They're all very different heights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a funny movie. Um, it is a funny movie. I feel we're going to uh, break soon, but before that, I just wanted to read. Uh, I watch this on Vudu, which is generally when I'm renting or, or buying a digital movie. That's mm-hmm. usually my preferred service, which it's not owned by Walmart anymore, so I can feel better about it. But anyway, <clears throat> there are always snippets of reviews when you go to the page for a movie, and I just wanted to uh, read this one because I liked it. This is from uh, Anne Hornaday from the Washington Post. And it says, it's a thin premise, and I Love You Man features the usual quota of jokes involving masturbation, projectile vomiting, and flatulence. But is it worth it? Thanks to Rudd and Siegel and some terrific cameos, totes my goats. <laughs> How did we not say totes my goats yet? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that made me happy to read that. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yes, I, and I'm glad. I'm glad that it was there, so you had to bring up Toots McGoats because uh-huh. <laughs> I used to say that a lot too. Yes, you did. That one is that one has fallen by the wayside. So when you before we started recording, you were saying something to the effect of, uh, what did you, you said something that reminded me of that scene. Oh, you, you said like the oh we were singing the Applebee's Happy Birthday song, oh, yeah. and when I was like woo at the end or whatever, hey, you said that was the correct level of enthusiasm, which reminded me immediately of. Sydney on the golf course when the girl that he was there with her friend was leaving and she was like I give up and she threw her pull, threw her uh, her club down and just walked away and Sydney was like no don't go please come back like <laughs> I just love his his reaction there uh, <laughs> he didn't need to say any of that but it was hilarious watching him sarcastically like no don't go also just speaking of his reactions to things uh, when Zoe introduces her friend to uh, Sydney at at the party, mm-hmm. where where he gives a speech, which we didn't even talk about. But yeah. um, and she's like, "Oh, hey, this is whatever her name is," and Sydney just said, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, that's and kind like of a he, lot of his responses to her. He did it in a, like a friendly way and like shook her hand and smiled at her. But mm. I just thought that was a funny response to being introduced <laughs> to somebody. I kind of hope that that was like, I can't remember my lines, but I'm going to stick with it. And like, that's what, that's the yeah. cut they used. <laughs> um, also in the dinner scene or yeah, at the, at the rehearsal dinner is where um, they, they end up talking, uh, Paul Rudd or uh, yeah, Peter and uh, Paul and John Favreau end up talking at the bar and he's like, Oh, me and my friend Sydney uh, play music. He, he's an ax man and I slap a little bass. Yeah. <laughs> don't you play piano? And he's like, no, 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 I don't play. There's a piano at your house. Uh, the decorator put it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the fact that he's chewing on uh, like a toothpick all the time in that movie really like nails home how much of a dick he is. Yeah. Like he's at a restaurant and he, they haven't eaten it at all yet and he's just got a toothpick in his mouth. Yeah. And like he doesn't look at Paul Rudd at all yeah, really. Yeah, they make no eye contact. <laughs> he's just like yeah. this guy. And he just walks away. Back he's there like, in my life. And then he's like, I'm going to go check on the table and walks away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so other I think the only thing we didn't talk about is that actual last scene where they where he busts in and Lou Ferrigno almost like goes to 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 knock him out but before he realizes that uh Zoe called mm-hmm. 
called Sydney. Let's be, and then they get to do the whole. Let's be honest. He was going to show up whether she called or not. He that's was, true. He yeah. was already on his way. I do love the scene where he's on the Vespa and he's like, oh yeah, I guess I just got to find something to wear. And he's already in his suit on his yeah. way. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the scene where we get to see Lou Ferrigno tell him that he, he like proudly says, I put him in a, cho- I put him in a chokehold yeah. right out. <laughs> and uh, they get to have their whole bro Montana. Oh, we didn't mention Larry Wilmore. Oh yeah. I, I did write that one down too. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And they get to do Bro Namath, Bro Montana, like the whole thing back and forth. I know, I know who you mean now. The tall guy with glasses. I actually wrote him down too. I had to look his name up too. It's because um, he was in. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. The, That's okay. Uh, I just thought of it. Um, he he was in this sitcom called, I think it was called like Traffic Light or Street Light or something like that. Like hmm. ten years ago, like mm-hmm. b- before he started showing up in so many things. And I always like him. He's so dry and yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, I liked I him. I liked him on New Girl. Remember. But yes, yes, I do remember now. That's mostly what I remember him from. But yeah, Larry um, Wilmore, another great cameo. Yeah. Larry Wilmore uh, being like, okay, you guys can stop telling each other yeah. you love each other. Now let's get back to the wedding. <laughs> I love you, man. I love yeah. you, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was so a wonderful ending. Like it's simple, but great. Like mm-hmm. abrupt, but, but a great ending. Very abrupt. I, I, it cut to the black screen when I almost least expected it to. Yeah. I thought for some reason I did think there would be, there was more after that, but yeah, I thought there was going to be like bloopers or something. It just felt like that type of movie. Definitely. Actually, I would like actually, now that you mentioned it, I would like to just look up the blooper reel for this movie. Yeah. That'd be Uh, fun. Well, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and talk about lessons. Okay. Be right back. Okay. All right. I'm, Welcome back. I'm playing the. I'm playing it like Sydney. Okay. Play us in. <laughs> oh, I thought you were actually going to play something. Okay. Um, we're back and better than ever. So, since you have so many notes on this one, I'm I'm, I'm very curious to see what you have other other than your. They were mostly quotes, man. <laughs> Do um, you have anything that wasn't? So. Again, we already talked about it a bit uh, in the review section, but having a connection outside of your work, family, or romantic relationships is pretty important for life for the success of all three of those areas. Uh, it's a balancing act. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Now, now that's pretty much the, like, the main thing that I had written down is that having outlets outside of your uh, relationship add to your relationship by giving you... Not only just like the simple the simplicity of having something to talk about that's not just remember what we did earlier like you know you got you have to have like a life outside of your relationship in some way and like by it, it's kind of like uh, inspiration for creativity as well like if you sit in in a in a cabin and just write all the time like you, yeah you can draw from your creativity you can draw from your from your mind but when you get stagnated then you you have to go out and have other experiences which unlock different parts of your mind which is the kind of I feel is the same in a relationship that if you are just together all the time and have no life outside of each other in any way then you're not going to really ha- what are you going to have to connect about after a while you're you're going to you're going to grow weary of 
the same conversations and the same situations, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes into what I said earlier about how, like, his friendship with Sydney kind of enriched his, his life with uh, Zoe by right. giving him a reason to talk about his, like, hobbies and interests when they just didn't naturally come up with her uh, naturally. I said that word twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, the uh, the only other thing that I had written also, like, kind of plays into it, like the balancing act that you mentioned. Uh, like, if you, put all, if you put all of your effort into a relationship, yeah, I mean, you could try to make the relationship as good as you can, but you're going to lose your friends and potentially, like, damage your relationship by like going too hard to with, you know, by not having anything outside of that. So you're going to like lose parts of yourself as well. Like he, he's only doing work and Zoe, like that he's, he's working on his relationship that he's only had for eight months, which makes me wonder what he was doing before that Mm -hmm. as well. Like, you know, if he had, he was, he's fencing, you know, he was fencing, but obviously he don't, he wasn't like hanging out with those guys. So he had a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, he had a, he had a girlfriend right before. Yeah, he he said like he met Zoe like the day after they broke up or something like that. Uh, okay, oh, you know I don't think I heard that because that's when uh, <laughs> that's when Sydney says ah no ledge between the badge. Ah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that line, and I guess that makes a lot of sense for for Peter's character that he's like he just wants to be in a relationship, mm-hmm. and I you know I know those people, so it's it's hard to you never catch them in single mode so it's like and i'm not talking about people that are in long-term relationships i'm talking about like people who are in in like year-long relationships one after the other kind of thing Mm -hmm. like they're just never never single so like some people just like really like the safety of being in a relationship or just really want to be like moving on to the next thing right away Mm -hmm. um so I'm, i'm surprised i didn't like remember that about peter's character yeah and actually later when he goes to make up with zoe he mentions that she's the only girl he's been with that wanted him to have a life outside of her. So right. The, so if he's never been single and he was dating more selfish people, then that might be why he actually doesn't have a life outside of work. Yeah. Because he's been with women who made him make his life all about them, which is probably right. why he's such a good boyfriend. He's very yeah. attentive to her. He performs oral on her like six times a week, according, just, according to her friends. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, I guess maybe he's just been conditioned over time to like, and he's maybe he was insecure to begin with and realized like the best way to keep, the best and only way to keep the girlfriends he's with is to just tend to them at all times and like not have any other friends or things outside of their relationship, so... Yeah, it's and it's and so Zoe's actually good for him by instead of like letting him continue to be that way, like uh, encouraging him to go out and make friends and find new things, even though like she was a little bit worried about it at first, like when she saw it actually happening, she was a little bit insecure about it also. Mm -hmm. And 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 she also saw the way that Sydney was trying to take Peter for himself, even, even if it was subconsciously just that mm-hmm. he, you know, that he was kind of warming his way in to Peter's life in inappropriate ways as well. So, yeah. so there was that whole thing, but yeah, she, she was all for it otherwise. And she actually thought it was 
weird that he didn't have any friends. Yeah. Um, or that the friends that he that she perceived him having weren't like close friends the way that she assumed that they were. Right. And I had thought of something else just now, but I have to remember because I didn't actually write it down. It just came to me right while we were talking. Um, oh, I was going to say it's also to go along with everything. It's maybe he didn't he didn't think he had any close friends, but like by the end of the movie some of the people in his close friend group are his brother and his dad. So mm-hmm. like, like he just hasn't given an opportunity to the people he's been around to allow them in and allow them to like be friends and like allow his dad to get to know him better and not just see him as like the kid that was like awkward and never had any friends, you know, like he actually like let his dad and his brother in a little bit on his life and then they became closer. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm sure his dad was ready for it because Robbie was his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he's very, very uh, secure with Robbie, Robbie's life and everything. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very cool with it. Um, and like, it seemed like Robbie was really cool, like was really open to like the, the new form friendship with his brother also. Like even though like they were making fun of each other a little bit, he was definitely yeah, like there the in like a, a loving way. Yeah, yeah. So, but he was definitely there and open to the possibility of like having like a better friendly relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm sure he was open to it since he liked spending time with his dad so much. Like yeah. they, they, they were both open to having that kind of familial like friendship mm-hmm. bond. Uh, Peter just needed to put himself close enough to do it. Yeah. And with regards to Sydney, I would say, you know, it, it's okay to not take life so seriously, but, you know, you need to know your limits. You need uh, to let the people around you live their lives as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you need to know where you should take life seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, with regards to the way you treat the people you love and not letting your, uh, like, laissez-faire attitude just be an excuse to not get really close to anyone Mm -hmm. or else you kind of end up with a jerk off station. (laughs) And that's it. Maybe he's going to sell the house itself and keep the, keep the man cave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You'll see it on one of those like uh, house moving trucks. So you did mention that it was a very male centric film. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was trying to just now trying to think of if there were any any perspective things we could look at from the like from Zoe's point of view that could be a good lesson as well. Like potentially like what we said, like let like allowing the your partner, whoever they are, to be a, to be um, their own person and like let them be themselves because it will only strengthen your relationship. So whoever you are in a relationship, like don't don't be so. Uh, not protective, but like, don't be so controlling because by like letting somebody like be themselves, it can only generally, it can either, either only improve your relationship or prove that you maybe shouldn't be together in the first place. Yeah. Like just like a way trying to lock somebody down is never a good way to keep somebody there. Yeah. I understand. You have to lock that down. (laughs) Right. It's like saving Um, Silverman. But yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like you have to trust that you can let them into the wild and not lose them. And if you can't yeah. trust that, then why are you with them in the first place? Right. That kind of old trope. But yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I've never understood that whole like if you don't trust the your partner to go be with other people without them like without you being suspicious of them then like unless they've given you a good reason to recently like right. but if you can't trust them then what why why do you want to be with them if you don't trust them yeah i, I don't know because they you know it's possessiveness but yeah yeah um also so i would say one very positive thing from zoe's point of view is that she <clears throat> she doesn't perceive the ways in which Peter is like more in touch with his caring or feminine side or, or however you want to phrase it. She, ne there's no indication that she views any of that as not masculine or strong or mm -hmm. any of the adjectives you would typically use for men. Um, which is very cool because again, like Robbie and his dad and like other men kind of, poke fun at him for the ways that he comes off as shyer or quieter or meeker mm -hmm. or or sensitive or anything that's not you know traditionally male right and one thing i could say that they did well in this movie though is i, I feel like they did not over I, I don't feel like they really overplayed it like they may, he, he felt like a unnaturally he, he felt like he was content with who he was Oh yeah, and they did not, and, and I, I didn't feel like they overdid the whole like people putting him down because like I mean that that didn't come up that often. It was more like no. oh we didn't realize like you wanted to be friends with us and like and brother brother and family kind of ribbing is yeah. like a whole different thing. It didn't feel like they were like stomping on him constantly. Um, so I appreciate that yeah. about the movie. But I mean, um, if, if that's how he was brought up, then you know mm -hmm. it's just. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I appreciate that that Zoe's character was like very obviously very welcoming and very happy, like excited to live a life with somebody who is very you know caring and mm -hmm. free with their emotions and just. I'm just saying for for 2009, that was a, a pretty like radical thought process for mm -hmm. a major Hollywood movie. Hmm. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad it, I'm glad it happened, but this, uh, this was you know what five years gone from like i now pronounce you chuck and larry and shit like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that one for a good reason i never saw that one i did see it oh i'm sorry um yeah uh <laughs> i never saw the one where adam sandler was uh jack and jill jack and jill yeah <laughs> never saw that one it didn't look good no it did not um yeah but anyway i i yeah, don't I don't know I don't know if there's any other lessons that I've found in this film, but uh, just overall, just like it's one that makes me it's just a movie that makes me happy. So yeah, it's very funny. Uh, although everyone who hasn't seen it, who has listened to this episode, if if they made it all the way through, now has no reason to watch it because they've heard ev <laughs> everything. Yeah, but if you want to hear all those things uh, done better, then you mm -hmm. can still watch the movie. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I'm any indication, you can definitely watch it more than once and still enjoy it. I will say there's a big difference between watching something more than once and knowing it all before you watch it the first time. True, but I'm I, I generally I hope people like to watch the movies before they listen to these uh, because there are a lot of spoilers. But you know, there's always the person that reads the last page of the book before they start it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, but uh. 
but yeah, so yeah, it's been it, it's been fun doing this with a movie that's not quite as serious, uh, yet still like finding some good serious things in there. Um, but if you uh, want to send us some recommendations for movies you'd like to see, uh, especially now that Os- Oscar season is here, uh, you can email us at imitatingart one at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at Imitating Art Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to find me individually, that's Big Evan Moose, uh, pretty much at all of the socials. Pinterest. Oh, I don't know. I, I think you've made that joke before. I have. And, and I'm, I was going to give the same response, which is I don't remember if I've made a Pinterest, but if I have, it's Big Evan Moose. Spelled how it sounds. Um, and if you want to find me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at don't worry, I'm finite or youtube.com slash don't worry, I'm finite. So thanks for sticking around. It's been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.